1981, Reggie Collier became the first player in NCAA history to rush for 1,000 yards and pass for 1,000 yards in a single season. It was a good year for the Eagles, but maybe not for America as a whole. We entered a recession following the Federal Reserve's contradictory monetary policy trying to lower inflation. The unemployment rate was near that of the Great Depression. But there's always more to a story than you might think. Tune into Domino to listen to cascading events that have shaped our global economy. You can listen to Domino anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Season 2 is now available. You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss To The Top. What's going on? What's happening? How are you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey. I am your host today, Jason Bailey. Here to give you a break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda out there on social media and talk a little bit about Southern Miss athletics. This is your first time listening. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy it. Remember, you can find To The Top Talk on a semi-weekly basis now on all the major podcast platforms out there, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeart, and Stitcher. Feel free to give us a follow on social at To The Top Talk, and if you can leave a rating and a review on iTunes, it really helps us out. Thank you again for tuning in today. We have a very special guest on the line. So, uh, without further ado, former Golden Eagle assistant head coach and defensive coordinator, architect of some of the greatest defenses in Southern Miss history, a coach in some capacity for, I think, over 35 years now. Uh, welcome to the show, John Thompson. Coach, what's up? Man, how you doing? Great to talk to you. Doing fantastic. Well, you know, doing as good as we can do in these, in these trying times. Uh, but, you know, it's given me plenty of time to get in touch with people like you, and I really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast today. Well, man, my pleasure. It's, uh, you know, it, it's always uh, fun to talk about those days and uh, some of the um, the best time of, of my life, not just my coaching, but coaching there and the relationships and the people that uh, – I'm still very, very close to, and there's just some great memories of the Hattiesburg and Southern Miss and the people uh, all around there was really uh, made a major impact on, on me and uh, obviously my family. Right. Me too. Me too. You know, I'm I'm still here. <laughs> I graduated in 97, and I live about a mile from where I tailgate, so um, it, it gets stuck That's in my good blood. Thing. I, wish, I wish I was there too. <laughs> hey, the, the invitation is open. Um so you've you've had quite the journey throughout your career, um, and of course we'll get into the Southern Miss stuff. But by my count, I think 13 different schools at various times. Some schools you made a couple stops at. So I mean, once a coach, always a coach, I guess, right? Yeah, you know, that's. Um, I never thought it would uh, that I would move around that much. Um, you know, I, I I was very fortunate. I wanted to be a coach since I was you know four or five years old. My dad was a coach and. That's all I wanted to do, but I never, uh, I never, you know, foresaw moving near as much as we did. But I, I look back on it now, and I would uh, every every situation kind of was unique at the time, and uh, I hate it that uh, we moved as much, you know, when when our two boys were growing up. But uh, they learned a lot there. They lived in a lot of different places, and there was some great people, some great, some great. Uh, 
uh, experiences along the way, but mm-hmm. um, but we've stayed in Hattiesburg longer than any other place, and um, and that's uh, uh, one of I mean, if not the favorite, one of our favorites, probably our our favorite all time spot. Awesome, great to hear. Um, so of course you you also played football. You, you played football at Central Arkansas and were a defensive back. Um, what kind of player were you? Ah, uh, well, you know, for I, I guess I could say that by um, they retired my number. Hey, you know? so that I don't know what that means. The only issue with that when they retired my number is that you know Scotty Pippen went to the same school and and mm. we both wore we both wore number thirty three, and they they all they put it on his jersey and hung it up in the in the basketball arena. They didn't do it on on my football jersey. They did it on his <laughs> basketball jersey, but it was the same. It was the same number. So wow. I, uh, I, but no, I was not much of a player. And as uh, as I got to college, and really, and then and I got hurt at the end of my sophomore year, which and I was kind of glad of that because I wasn't playing and uh, just really focused on coaching and and getting out of school. Did you um? Did you always just coach uh, defense? I mean, we just talked about you played defense. You played defensive back. D- did you did you always stay on the defensive side of the ball, or, or or did you ever coach any any offense? Well, it started out that way. The, uh, my first real job was uh, at Forest City High School, it was my my hometown, and I went back and I was the I was the receiver coach um, on a on a wishbone team that threw it about two maybe three times a game. So uh, not not much there, and then I, the next year I went to a town called Arkadelphia, Arkansas, with a with a legendary coach. Now his name is John Outlaw, and there's a there's a documentary out on him called Outlaw: Life and Death of Texas Football. And he ended up winning over thirty or three hundred games, and he and I had been roommates in college. We were uh, very very close friends, and we go to Arkadelphia and. He asked me to be his defensive coordinator, and I didn't know Jack, you know, and I just <laughs> tried to, you know, uh, copy everything. Monty Kiffin was the, the defensive coordinator at Arkansas, so I just copied everything that he did, and um, we ended up – the outlaw was really special, got a lot of guys out. And we ended up winning the state championship that very first year and had seven shutouts, and so um, we had a great – we had a lot of good players – and so um, I, I stuck with defense after that year and been, been coaching defense uh, ever since. It was long, that was 1979, so uh, I'm not going to do the math, but uh, that was a long time ago. I can do the math for you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 43 years old, born in 76, so uh, <laughs> believe me, I, I'm, feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling it as well. Um, so, I mean, but you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Monty Kiffin there. Um, that's incredible. Um, is that where you kind of started to develop uh, your defensive style? I guess you took some from what from what he did, and, and then just began to add your own to it. Yeah, I really did. I mean, you know, uh, my dad, you know, I, I told you he was a coach, you know, and he used to say all the time, if you if you get it from one person, you're stealing, and if you you get it from two or three people's research. So I think coaching and my coaching has been that way all along. And that first year it was, it was pure theft. 
everything I could <laughs> learn uh, from Monty Kiffin and what Arkansas was. I was living in Arkansas, so and and learned that defense. And then a couple of years after, I went uh, was a graduate assistant at Arkansas and worked for a guy named Don Lindsay, who was. Um, he was very, very exotic. I mean, the guy, and we're still friends. He, I, I, I think he was a genius. I mean, he was really a, a unique individual and, and he, um, he would do things that you just, you never saw from anybody else. And, um, I think between those two guys, coach Lindsay and, and coach Kiffin is really where I developed my own philosophy, which, obviously was stolen from somebody else, but it was, uh, Hey, let's try something different. And mm-hmm. Let's be unique. And why, uh, why not? You know, and that was Lindsay and, and Kiffin was so good with the fundamentals and, and it, relationship with players. And, and I've, I've stayed actually, you know, for years and years, I've stayed in contact with both of those guys and, uh, they've still been, I mean, Monty's not really been a mentor of mine, but, uh, I've studied him and, been with him, you know, for years, especially when we were at Southern, I mean, at uh, Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there a lot with us. So, anyway, I've, I've been blessed like that. Cool. Very cool. Um, so, most people most people listening to this podcast uh, will obviously remember you from the Southern Miss years. Um, tell me, what do you, I mean, this is kind of a broad question, but what do you call, recall from your time at Southern Miss? Just great people. The the coaches and players uh, Jeff Bauer. Jeff Bauer is, is the most meaningful coach that I ever worked for with. Um, learn more from him about uh, just about being a man. I think uh, I. I, uh, I mean, I, I love Jeff Bauer and his family. Uh, that was the, a big, big deal. And then I don't know. You know, maybe it was because we were there a long time, but the relationships with those players have, have meant so much to me. And, you know, we keep in touch. There's a lot of us that, um, that still keep in touch and, and the ones that we may go, you know, two or three years and not talk and then pick right up. And it's really, really special. I mean, uh, uh, car Shannon, I mean, you know, car and kind of set this thing up and Mark mm-hmm. Shant, uh, Kendall Dunn and, and Lee Roberts, they all came. I mean, this was, I don't know, five or six years ago, they all came to a bowl game, you know, and I mean, it's, uh, I get, I, I get chill bumps just kind of talking about those guys now, but even a lot of guys on those teams, um, Adelius Thomas lives here in Atlanta. We talk every now and then I stay in touch with Pat and, you know, Pat Sertan. And so there's just so many, many of those guys. And then the people in Hattiesburg really, um, uh, our church, uh, our people, just the, it was, um, it was the, the most, um, uh, impactful and meaningful time of, uh, of my life. You know, I met my mm-hmm. wife there. Thank goodness. And she's, you know, still keep letting me hang around. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, been a good deal. Awesome. Um, thank you for sharing that. And, and so, so implementing, let's get back to this defense for a second. Um, so implementing this style of defense, I mean, the, the chaotic, pre-snap movements um you kind of mentioned how you came up with the concept uh, but like what you i mean it, at least in my recollection being just a fan in the stands it, it was it was different it was it was different from what everybody else was doing um how would you say that it that what you did was differed i guess from the norm of watching just normal college defenses well 
you know, we, um, as we, as we grew and, and this was probably, you know, there 96, uh, 97, when we, when we kind of went from a, a static old school four, three to, uh, to what we call prowling and stemming and, uh, uh, three, four. And during that, that time we said, Hey, we got to do something to be different. We're good. We're good enough to win a lot of games, but there were always two or three people on our schedule that we, we were going to be out talented by. I mean, we were going to play, you know, Texas A&M or, or Tennessee or Alabama or, or somebody like that. And we wanted to, to give ourselves a chance. And we said, Hey, why not? Let's get outside the box and, and do some things. And, you know, that we had the personalities on that team that accepted it. And, that those teams, I mean, from from ninety five through ninety eight, uh, my last, I guess that's four years that I was there. Uh, you know, they just bonded in so many ways, and and they just they they understood what we wanted to do. Our, our coaching staff stayed together. I mean, Tyrone Nix was there, and Randy Butler, and and we we just had to. It was just it, it just all worked, and mm-hmm. we just worked hard. And the players, you know, had their own personality, and they put it in there. I mean, you you take a guy like Adelius Thomas, and you tell him to kind of move around and stem around and do some things. He could create, man. He, I mean, and then a lot of a lot of the times, what the players did, we just we put it in and coached it the next week. But they uh, we gave them a lot of freedom. But uh, they didn't take advantage of it. They they just did. They they played inside the framework mm-hmm. with that freedom. If that makes any sense. And, sure. And, uh, and we were one of the first people to to ever do that. I I think. And we weren't trying to be uh, different. We were just trying to get off the field. And it, it goes back again to to Jeff Bauer. He let us do that. There's there's not a lot of coaches. There's not a lot of head coaches out there that uh, would allow us to do what we did. And he did, and that just um, and we got better and better. I mean, he would come down to our our meeting rooms, and he'd say, "Man, what you guys got cooked up this week?" And it would motivate <laughs> us, you know. And, and uh, instead of coming down and, and questioning, like, "What the heck is that?" You right. know, because we'd have them all standing up, or you know, just doing some crazy things that that offenses didn't want to see. I mean, they didn't want to see, and they didn't. They didn't want to, to go against it. it. It got them out of there. Anything that we could find that broke a rule from an offense, uh, we put it in and and tried to be sound with it. And people would, you know, a lot of times they'd say, hey, that, that's not sound. And, you know, we would come back, well, well, what's sound about when they punt or when they turn it over or they don't <laughs> score? You know? So I, I'm still not sure what sound means when uh, when they don't score or they have to punt. So uh, we just kind of stuck to that and then uh, took it, tried to take it and run with it. Well, I tell you, and, and I've said this before on on the podcast, but just strictly from a fan's perspective, it was just so cool to watch. It was, um, you know, I got more excited when the defense took the field than the offense. And I mean, to say that today, <laughs> especially in this day and age, you know, I don't, I don't think any. The, the, I guess I say the youngsters, uh, but you know, the kids today, I don't think that they fully understand and maybe that kind of leads me to my next question here um do you think this this or that style uh would translate to today's game i know you're still coaching but 
I would think it would be hard just from a, uh, I mean, you guys are physical back then from a physicality standpoint, for just the rules in general, how, how the game's officiated with what is now considered to be illegal contact. And, you know, not, not saying that you guys had a lot of illegal contact back in the day, but it, it just seems different today, right? Well, I, we did intimidate some people, and I think we intimidated them, one, with our style, and two, with the, the physicality that we had. But it, it's harder now with tempo offenses. I mean, when offenses were coming out, you know, going into the huddle and then coming out and trying to read you and look over the line of scrimmage, you know, <laughs> every time if he looked left, he was going to see one thing. If he looked right, he was going to see another. If the quarterback looked back left again, it was changed. So we were all we were all moving and and doing that. Now, what, what has what has limited that to some degree? Now, I don't think everything, but to some degree, is tempo offenses that that go so fast. But I think offenses, you know, can can cut their nose off. Um, by going fast, they can run in, you know, they can do that and still run into a bad play. But it's, uh, that takes some effort. When, when we moved around and we stemmed around that you expend energy doing that. Mm -hmm. And now with offense, offenses, you know, going at the speed that they go, you know, defensive players are catching their breath in between plays. And so that doesn't happen as much. We're not able to do it quite as much. There, there are times and there are people that, allow you to do it but uh going back to the physical side of it yeah we were coming i mean um you go back to to when uh we played georgia in uh in 96 mm -hmm. and that was the first year that we, that we had played the 3-4 defense first game actually and, and there's a lot that went on in that game that last play the very last play of the game um tj slaughter and Adelius Thomas, I, there there was a picture. I don't know where it is now. They're both parallel to the line of, I mean, to the ground, and they're just launching themselves at Mike Bobo. Bobo was the coach, and I used to um, talk. I'd see Bobo, and we'd run around. And I I used to kind of jab him every now and then, and ask him if his ribs and neck and better. And he finally got he got irritated <laughs> with me, got mad at me one time about it, but uh, that didn't stop me from talking to him though. But we were physical in that game, but uh, and and I, I think about the hit that Pat Sertain put on uh, uh, the receiver from Houston, uh, like the the first series of that game. They threw a little bubble screen, and and Pat hits the guy. The helmet goes one way, the ball went one way, and the guy's mouthpiece and probably some teeth went went a third direction. <laughs> that game was over. I don't know if you remember, sure. but that. That game was over right then. So those things, along with it, just gave our guys just a, a an edge, a uh, a cocky edge. I mean, when they would walk around, um, I don't even know if swagger was invented. That word was invented then. But when they would walk around the line of scrimmage and what we called prowling and stemming, you know, a prowl was like. You just walking around, you kind of sneaking around. Nobody knows what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Well, those guys took that, took that to heart. And I mean, where where you got a guy like Marshan or or Latrell Pollard or somebody like that, and, and moving and stemming and looking at the quarterback. And I mean, we uh we made a big deal out of that. If somebody flinched, 
my goodness, you know, don't let them flinch against us because we were going to attack that position, that person, that quarterback. Um, I remember we played Louisville. Man, it's just fun to talk about. We played Louisville, and they had uh, uh, Red. What was his name, Red? What was that? Chris? Chris, I can't think of uh, Redmond? Redmond. Redmond. Chris Redmond. Chris Redmond. Right. Chris Redmond. And, uh, I mean, he threw for a bunch of yards that day, but we hit him. We hit him 28 times, mm. and we made sure that, it, that our next opponents knew that. And, uh, you know, we, we fed off that, and we think, uh, we think some of the opponents, you know, fed off of it too or, or didn't, didn't like what we were feeding them. So that's, uh, we tried to use that in a lot of ways. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned at least one of the games I was going to talk about uh just a minute ago in the Georgia game, but I actually, when I was putting this together, um, there's a couple of guys, and you've already mentioned Carr. Um, I reached out to Carr and to another player, Marchant Kenny, uh, just and asked oh, wow. them um, if they, you know, about you. I said, you know, um, I asked them just tell me a little bit about. Well, you know, uh, you've got about, two guys that have that really have trouble with uh, with telling the truth, right? <laughs> Both of those guys. <laughs> sure. Well, you and know, Carr it, remembers. To, Carr remembers everything down to everything. The uh, everything. And uh, when I talked to Carr earlier, you know, I, he intimidates me because he does remember everything. Now, Marchant, uh, Marchant is, is still the crazy linebacker. And uh, <laughs> I can probably twist a story to make Marchant believe it. But, but Carr keeps me in line. So I, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, great. Uh, two of the best people in the world. So go sure. ahead. Well, here's what Marchant had to say. Um, he came up with uh, talking about you. He came up with new and inventive ways uh, to get different and unique on defense. So he came up with the three-four organized chaos look. We were bouncing around at the line a lot. Thinking back, the Georgia game was probably the most fun I ever had defensively, just because they had no clue what we were doing. So what really sticks out to me is that Georgia game. We had talent, but the scheme he had won that game. Period. You know, and and you kind of just said as much just a minute ago, uh, but. It's it must feel nice to get praise like that, you know. I guess from this is what thirty years later. Yeah, well, I, the talent won the game, and I and I don't say I'm not trying to be humble or whatever. And we did have them confused. Now we totally confused, and our guys and and you know everybody. There were different positions that had to move. We had to take uh, Robert Brown, who was a dominant defensive end and had to move him to nose guard. Now, you don't think that's not a hard sell. You got guys that play three technique or play over the tackle that want to play defensive end, you know. But we took a defensive end and moved him, and he was undersized, but he was so strong, had powerful legs, quickness, moved him to nose guard and to get Posey on the field. And then Marchant and Cedric Walthall were both playing Mike linebacker, and both of them were good. Walthall could go out and and play an outside linebacker, what we call bandit at the time. Well, he goes out there and plays that and accepted that role. Both of those guys, as I said, and Robert Brown, there's no way they wanted to play those positions. No way. But they did it, and it, and that's why – I mean, that's why we beat Georgia, and that's why we won a lot of games that year for, for those guys doing that. And it was uh, – you know, we had a deal. We 
you know, you got a coach's job is to get the best 11 on the field. You got to be able to do that. And, and those two guys were, and there were other guys and and they just accepted that role. And that's, I mean, that's the kind of people that we had. I mean, we had a special, special group of people that, uh, that did what, you know, what was best for the team. That kind of bleeds over into, into cars comment, actually. Uh, when I asked Carr the same thing, just to say something about you, he said, uh, he said, Coach Thompson was a hard ass, but we all loved him. <laughs> he made me a better man on and off the field. I think that Bama game in 95 still haunts us because we really had them beaten. It's probably the, the one game that really still bothers us. But I think Coach used that and came up with a different way that put the best guys on the field and it made us all better. A lot of credit goes to Coach Thompson for scheme and getting us ready to play. We really didn't have a lot of depth, but he found a way to make it happen. So, you know, again, kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, the story that you that you took off on there. But these guys, well, especially Carr, we already talked about that. But these guys, you know, this time really made an impression on them. And, and that's got to make you feel feel good as a coach, I would think. Well, you know what? It, it goes the other direction. They made more of an impression on me. Uh, we, um, I mean, we, we bonded, we were in there together and yeah, it, it was, uh, Hey, they were hard on me too. Don't think they weren't. There was a, there was a lot of things that we had to work out both sides. <laughs> I, uh, and it was, I, I mean, I love those guys still do. And, but they, uh, they had personalities and they were guys that that we had to deal with it. And I'm not talking about being bad guys. And I'm not talking about doing things that were wrong. But man, you you know we had we used to have meetings on Thursday night, mm-hmm. every Thursday night. And those meetings were, I mean, every meeting was different. They were they were never the same. I mean, they would play tricks on me. I'd play tricks on them. It was a deal like who you know when. Who was going to be the last guy into the meeting? And that got the the meetings were like at nine o'clock on Thursday night, and it got earlier and earlier and earlier. I mean, if you weren't there pretty close after eight o'clock, you were late. I mean, that's that's how they competed with each other. But they would hide outside, and you know, and I'd get mad because somebody wasn't there, and <laughs> then they would come in, and everybody would laugh and. You know, and then later on in the meeting, we'd get to talking and somebody would tell a story or somebody would have a problem and, and you know, would go from laughing. And the next thing you know, you know, we were crying in the meeting and, and we just we we cared about each other. We loved each other. And that was um, I mean, that that carried on. And, and I mean, you, you go back to the yeah, the, the worst. I mean, however many years it's been, you did the math earlier. The worst loss of my life was 95 Alabama. Um, I can remember, I mean, I can, re- I can remember, uh, the play falling on the ground. I can remember right now smelling that grass and the pain that went through that because we did, we beat them. We whipped them. We didn't win. The, they, they scored more points than we did, but, um, that was a painful thing. And we learned a lot of lessons in that game. And I learned a lot of lessons in that game about, uh, about who needed to be on the field at, at that time. And it wasn't a, you know, Pat was involved in that. Pat needed to be on the field. Uh, it was, um, that was a hard, that was that's still hard to deal with right now. Let's move on. I don't want to talk about that one anymore, but that was, <laughs> a, that was a bad deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
The um, you know, and you mentioned that you hit on a couple things there. Um, Carr actually gave me some tidbits, uh, just on a text message to maybe ask He's you good about. At that. And uh, He's yeah, good. well, you know, <laughs> heck, yeah. and and I and I appreciate it. Um, but he mentioned the Thursday night meetings. He mentioned playing for each other. And another thing that he mentioned was was an acronym that you came up with, uh, Swarm S W A R M. Um, can you talk about about Swarm? Yeah, you know what we um, everybody uses that, and then we kind of starting to, you know, doing that then, and we, you know, we were doing it, but we said, what is, what does that really mean? And you know, swarming to the ball or getting everybody around the ball or being like a beehive, but we um, we came up with uh, with the difference in, in in where the S the acronym was was significant with the S, the W was winning, the A was attacking. The R was relentless, and the M was mission. I mean, and you can take all of those things, and really the last one, the mission, that was an individual thing for all of us. What was our mission, and what was it about? And then, you know, being relentless, obviously, and we were we were always going to attack, uh, and we started winning, and, and we wanted to be significant. Everybody had uh, a role on that team. I mean, they're... Uh, everybody that was on that team was was a factor. I mean, coaches, players, everybody. It wasn't just the starting guys or the guys that were on. I mean, Car Shannon, Car Shannon was such an inspiration on that team. And I'm and I know Car listening to this, and I, but he meant so much to everybody on that team. What he was going through, he's giving him shots. I mean, he's pulling up his shirt and giving himself shots every day out there and going through that and uh tremendous player on special teams mm-hmm. tremendous and kept you know and and kept a level head about him hey and these guys now i mean i can say it now i mean i was in i guess i was in my 30s now and i'm in i'm that was a lot 30 years ago so we can do the math on that now but guys like car shannon would come and talk to me and tell me where I made mistakes, you know, not necessarily football wise, but Hey, who I need to be a little better to nicer, who somebody that needed a pat on the back or needed their arm around them, you know, or, or maybe, you know, something like, Hey, we need to get this stopped right now. They would step in there and take care of it. I mean, it was a, that wasn't a normal team now. I mean, if, I've I've coached almost 40 years or maybe 40 years or whatever, however many, you know, that's 40 different teams. Never been a team like that. Never been a team like that, that had each other's back, that, um, that did some really, really uh, unique things off the field in terms of relationships, holding each other accountable. I mean, we had some, we had some wild cats on that team now. Don't forget about that. I mean, some, some guys that, um, that could that could get out, you know, color outside the lines a little bit, but we uh, we got them playing hard, and they played hard, and, and they played hard for each other more than anything else. I mean, that's there's no question about that. That's why the loss at Alabama then you know hurt so bad for everybody. Nobody nobody pointed any fingers at that at at anybody. Uh, on uh, on that play, I mean, it was a fluke play. Sure. I mean, Bergdorf comes out of there and just sling, underhanded, almost slings it, and you know, I mean, we'd sacked them on the uh, you know the play before, and I mean that uh, 
I don't know why you keep bringing me back to that game, but it's uh, (laughs) that part of that was like, you know, we're we're not going to let that happen again like that. So it was, um, it was meaningful. Sure. And, and, you know, that kind of led you into the next year. I mean, so the 96 year, you kind of started to put it together and it's weird that um, an eight and three team, uh, does not go to a bowl, right? Uh, it seems impossible oh. these days, um, but it wasn't that long ago. We aren't talking like a hundred years ago. Um, it wasn't that long ago that you didn't, people just didn't go to bowls. And this is the team that was ranked. A team that was ranked at the end of the year doesn't go to a bowl game, but you guys go eight and three, uh, you, the Georgia game, beat Georgia. Um, won seven games in a row at one point, it looks like. Got into the top 25. So, uh, that's pretty cool, right? Well, it, it was. We lost to Houston at the wrong time, but uh, wasn't I wasn't going to mention any losses anymore. I was just going to let the winds no, roll. <laughs> I know what that was a bad one too. But um, I think we lost. Was that was that ninety six? Yeah, um, I think we lost. We lost to Alabama and maybe Auburn. I think I'm, I'm not. I get the years kind of mixed up in there. But yeah, um, we ran into the running back at Houston. That uh, and he played for the Patriots, played in the Super Bowl. I can't think of his name right now, but we just couldn't stop him. We we couldn't stop him in that game, and and they beat us. They barely beat us, and uh, that was a that was a bad deal. And ended up, you know, uh, Louisville went to the uh, I think went to the went to a bowl game. It was a it was a bad that uh, was bad deal. And then the next year, I think the only losses we had was Alabama. Uh, A and M and maybe uh, I can't remember. It's another SEC team, but we played three SEC teams and won the rest of them. The when we the '97 year, but oh '97, yeah, '97 yeah. uh, yeah, is my favorite year we, ever. That's uh, that's when I got Southern Miss, and that's that's uh, that was a great time <laughs> well, to jump in. Uh, Florida State was the other loss. That that happened to us. We uh we got beat by we we lost to Houston in Houston and then uh, Louisville had to beat Houston or somebody. But anyway, Florida State really didn't matter. You had to win the conference to go to the to the Liberty Bowl and and we didn't do that. The other game we lost in the, the not going to Liberty Bowl is when uh, we had the pass interference against East Carolina that. Mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't have made the field goal, and that guy, the guy that made that field goal lives here in Alpharetta. I seen way too much. Ooh. Way, way he comes by our store, and I seen a lot. And we, uh, he laughs about it. Uh, <laughs> I don't laugh about it, but he 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 reminds me of that game a lot. But anyway, man, that's just fun to talk to you. What else you got? Come on. Sure. Well, I want to hit on that '97 season. Uh, you know, just I know we talked about it for just a second, but um. You know, uh, nine and three total record ended up 19th in the AP poll. Uh, I think even higher than that in some of the other polls. Um, that defense was just, you know, prowling and stemming and whatever you want to do all over the place. We were all just pumped up. We brought down, I think that's the year that we brought down the goalpost at the Rock. Um, absolutely embarrassed Pitt in the Liberty Bowl. It was just super fun times. And I, I know that everybody's got great things uh, to say about that season in particular, but you know, it went a long way with a lot of people. So when, when thinking back on it, just what do you remember about that 97 year about that team in particular? Well, we overcame an, an awful lot that year. Um, obviously that was when the tragedy with mm-hmm. coach Bauer and, and his daughter 
and that you know we went through that and just uh so much of us did everything we could for Jeff Bauer uh in that season and i mean some of that really it goes back to the the first game back and <laughs> we played i remember playing Nevada uh that was the first game back when when coach was back after after the tragedy and Marshant slams the quarterback um late after the play, yeah, I don't. It wasn't a sack. We threw it, and he kind of slams him. And there's a little dust up there. And the next thing I remember, I'm standing at midfield trying to break up a fight that never happened. I'm standing <laughs> out there in the middle of the field, and and I didn't get a penalty. But it was just, you know, we, we all were on edge all year long with all of that. And you know, we we were good, and we knew we were good, and. You know, and then that was the year, and I, um, you know, we, we, uh, that was the year that we beat Houston, the, the game that I talked about a while ago, that they had beaten us the year before. They came to Hattiesburg, and we did. We spanked them. I mean, and it started out with the, the play from Pat on a little bubble screen. I remember the call. I remember the call on that play and, and Pat blowing him up, and, and the game was over, like I said earlier. Sure. And then, um, and then we, we dominated. We dominated Pittsburgh, um, but the the you know we go we play Peyton Manning and and I tell you what uh, Peyton is uh, is known now for how much he studies and how much you know he's a student of the game and I think we made him do that that game for sure and and he was uh, he was the best I'd ever seen uh, to this day the best opposing quarterback i've ever seen that day in uh in t- in tennessee and you know and it was um there's a lot of things that went on before and during and after that game that uh weren't fun and but um we ended up doing really good uh pittsburgh scoring three times and, you know it was a great game sure thing and, and and thanks for taking the time today well a couple more things and we'll get you out of here but are there uh are there any games you look back on at the rock um games like where the atmosphere just went crazy that that you can um that you can remember we uh i i i like to think anyway that when that place is is you know anywhere near packed and people are really into it that there's there's nowhere better to play just the closeness that you that did you have to the players in the field um but are there any games that that stick out to you from the uh, sideline yeah, there's a there's a couple of that Houston game mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, that thing was rocking in that game. That was uh, that was real good. We actually I, one that I re- we played Louisiana Tech there like in '92, and that was a Louisiana Tech had beaten us the year before, and I actually had been at at uh, Tech that the year before in in uh 91 and then gone to to southern miss in 92 and we played them and they had willie rofe and and some really good players on their team and we beat them that day and uh that was a a a huge game uh tulsa later on uh, that year maybe the year before when when the place was going crazy yeah it was you know it, it was really really unique to, to get that thing going like it was. And, uh, you know, you just got to give credit to Jeff Bauer and, and what he did and how he, how he just brought that program so far. And, uh, I mean, he just, there, there's nobody better, nobody better than Jeff Bauer. Uh, love him and thankful to him. 
So, so what's going on these days? I mean, I understand that you are that you're still in coaching at the high school level over in the Atlanta area. And you mentioned it earlier, I think you and your wife are, are in the clothing business. You know what? We I got out of uh, I got out of college coaching back in uh, 2015 and was out a year. Couldn't take it. Got back in for for two years. I was volunteering at a at a high school and we had great success. Won a couple of championships and uh, got out of it again last year and. Uh, and so now I'm going back full time. I'm going to be a teacher and a coach and at uh, Alpharetta High School this year. Hopefully we have it. Not um, you know sure. who knows what's going to happen with the virus and all. But uh, yeah, that's what uh, I needed to. I I need to get back coaching and I needed to. That's what I. That's what I should be doing. And uh, I missed it. I miss um, I miss the players and I miss the competition. But yeah, and then but we and all of that time from 15 on. My wife and I have had a uh, a clothing store called the Clothes Horse in uh, in downtown Alpharetta, and um, she's probably happy that I'm going to coach and let her do that all the time now. <laughs> but um, uh, it, it's that's been fun, but uh, it's not coaching. There's nothing there's nothing like coaching. There's nothing like um, there's nothing like former players. Like we get to talk about on this uh on this podcast today just remembering all those guys man just it's uh it's just unbelievably heartwarming warming and uh, maybe heartwarming too but heartwarming <laughs> and, uh, and emotional just thinking about those those guys that meant so much to me and and have mattered so much in my life well we're uh we're glad that you not only took the time today, but that you're back coaching. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought you'd be sitting in a, in Zoom meetings uh, as opposed to actual in-room <laughs> meetings with your players and coaches. But um, oh, seems like seems like you're back enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. But it's uh, yeah, getting this Zoom going and doing that. And uh, thank you. I'm I am glad to glad to be back doing it. And it was um, I was very blessed to uh, to to do that in Hattiesburg and. Uh, was the was the best time of our life loved it awesome well i hope you guys enjoyed the show today uh special thanks to jamie for letting me do this again um special thanks to our guest coach john thompson uh remember you can follow along with to the top talk at to the top talk you can follow me at bumper j bailey follow jamie at jamie underscore errington and hub city comedy at hub city comedy Please be safe out there, you guys. Uh, we're riding this thing out. Hopefully, we're nearing the end. We'll have some football this year. Uh, if you like the show, tell your friends. If you do not like the show, tell your friends. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.